Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Double Coverage Podcast with myself, Sean Holko, and my good friend, Mac Irvin III. I ask you this question every week, Mac, but how's it going? Yeah, you keep asking me the same question and I have to find new ways to come up with the same answers. So um, I think I'm just going to decline comment on this one and uh, yeah. you can ask me again next week. You're going to plead the fifth on this one? Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So today on Double Coverage, we have a full NFL draft recap show. Originally, um, at the end of last week's episode, I had previewed that we were going to recap the NFL draft, talk about the last dance, the Chicago Bulls documentary, as well as getting into some of the remaining free agents that are out there in the NFL. But with the first ever virtual NFL draft, Mac, we had a lot of content come from it. It was actually quite successful considering how there were a lot of doubters going into it. Um, so first, before we dive into all the topics of the NFL draft, how did you think the the first virtual NFL draft went? I think it went as good as it could have gone, you know, given the circumstances going into uncharted territory, uncharted waters like that. You know, certain things could have been better. I liked uh, Roger Goodell encouraging the fans to boo him. I appreciated that a lot kind of elevated him off the bottom of the uh, of my sports commissioner rankings. Now he passes uh, the weasel, Rob Manfred. So. Wow. So that is uh, quite remarkable. And he made it up max leaderboard. So uh, a successful weekend for Roger Goodell, I would say so. And we can talk about that a little later here on Double Coverage when we get into our favorite moments of the draft to close out the show for today. But before we get into that, Mac, we are going to talk about the top five quarterbacks in the NFL draft in 2020. Then we will talk about what the local teams did. And I put local in, uh, in quotations now because the, the Raiders are in Nevada and also we have the Seattle Seahawks who are in Washington, but we're going to say our quote unquote local teams because Mac's favorite team is the Seahawks. And we're still going to include the Raiders in our local conversation. So we're going to break down the 49ers, the Raiders and the Seahawks, and we will give our thoughts on how they did in the 2020 NFL draft. And we will close out the show, not only talking about our favorite moments from the NFL draft in 2020, but also we will get into some of the local Sacramento talent that were either drafted to the NFL or signed after the NFL draft came to uh, a conclusion. So, Mac, let's start it off with the top five quarterbacks. You have Joe Burrow, Tua Tugavailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and we're going to include Jalen Hurts in that top five there. And all five quarterbacks within, went within the first 52 picks of this NFL draft. You have the top three going in the top six, which was pretty expected along uh, with a lot of mock drafts, yours and mine included. And then the other two guys, they went a little bit later, but they didn't really go to destinations that we had expected. So first let's start off with Joe Burrow going first overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, What were your thoughts on that? It seemed like a match made in heaven, right? Yeah, it was pretty clear cut for me. You know, no surprises there. Uh, you know, I read a lot of teams wanted to trade up to number one. Cincinnati's like, no, Joe's our guy. And they even sent him a playbook and a jersey. So he, they were all ready to go with, with our all ready to roll with Joe Burrow. So it made sense to take him there. And also, even though Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals had played it off to the general media leading into the NFL draft, Joe Burrow had said after he was picked that he had already been studying the Bengals playbook for about six weeks. So he is well ahead of a lot of his fellow 2020 draftees. And I mean, it, it makes it makes sense when you think about it for Joe Burrow, because uh, 
you know, Bengals have the number one pick. You know they're going to be taking you. They know they're going to be taking you. So let's get started early. Exactly. A, a guy from Athens, Ohio, as I've mentioned several times here on the show. He went to he went to the Ohio State University. It didn't work out for him as a Buckeye because he got stuck behind JT Barrett and then Dwayne Haskins. So he went to LSU. He made the most of an opportunity at LSU. He won the Heisman. He won the Heisman. Uh, he won the Heisman. He won the national championship. So and now he's the first overall pick. The last guy to do that was Cam Newton when he came out of Auburn. So a great year. For Joe Burrow. Now number five, Mac, you have Tua Tugavailoa becoming a Miami Dolphin, as a lot of us thought before the NFL season had started would happen, but we thought maybe they'd be tanking for Tua and becoming the first or second overall pick. They they hold firm, and they get him at number five. What did you think of that? Yeah, and again, you know, this one seemed pretty cut and dry to me. It seemed like Miami was targeting Tua from the very beginning. There were a lot of smoke smoke screens in the you know the days leading up to the draft. Like they were talking about trading up to one to three, talking about maybe drafting an offensive lineman. So I'm not sure if Tua was really <laughs> their go-to guy going into the draft. But for me, it seemed like another match made in heaven for them. And you know, good for them. They didn't have to completely go 0-16 to get the guy that they were looking at before the season. But I do wonder what would have happened. If they had gotten a number one pick, would they have gone with Burrow instead? That is a very intriguing question, which is a hypothetical that will probably carry over their careers. Um, but I also was very impressed with the Miami Dolphins holding there at number five, not jumping up to number three um, where the Detroit Lions were, which I kind of expected to happen as I predicted with my, with my mock draft. Tua didn't go number three overall. He did go number five to the Miami Dolphins, and they held right there. There was the injury concerns with Tua, but the Dolphins, they they did what they had to do, and they got their guy. And then later in the draft, they got some offensive linemen to help protect him. So it was a smart move by the Miami Dolphins. And also, they still have Fitzpatrick in there, Fitzmagic, who can be that bridge, so to say, uh, to get the Dolphins to the Tua era. So it was a great pick by the Dolphins, and the, the best part about it is they didn't fuck it up. Now no. We have the Los Angeles Chargers. My brain initially said San Diego, but I was able to get the words out and say Los Angeles Chargers. That's okay. You're just you're just thinking of where they should be instead of where they are. Facts, facts. And I know you and I both know that our guy, Noel Harris, would definitely agree with that, that they should still be the San Diego Chargers. But nevertheless, the Los Angeles Chargers had the sixth overall pick. They were looking for a quarterback because Phillip Rivers is now an Indianapolis Colt. And so they got their guy, Justin Herbert, who grew up a Los Angeles or San Diego Chargers fan. And he came out of Oregon where uh, he was born and raised in Oregon. So what did you think of this pick, Mac? Again, another one that makes sense for me. You know, when you look at the Chargers and what quarterbacks they have, obviously they have uh, Terod Taylor there. He's probably going to start the season, and then they will probably screw him like every NFL team has screwed him thus far and replace him with Justin Herbert in the middle of the season. So, I mean, it makes sense to have a quarterback for the future. You just moved off of Phillip Rivers. You had to get a replacement for him. It doesn't seem like Tyrod's the answer, and given – how he's fared on other teams in his career, it seems like he'll, he'll not be there for the long term. So it made perfect sense for them to take a quarterback that high. 
Yeah, it, it did make sense because they're looking to the future and we know how much these organizations really value the quarterbacks. And that's why three went in the top six, which was the first time in a long time. I don't remember the exact year, the last time that it happened, but it was the first time in a long time that three quarterbacks were drafted in the top six of the NFL draft. And I honestly think that Justin Herbert found himself in the best scenario because the Chargers, they have always been that team that always got really close to the playoffs, but they just didn't finish out games and they lost a couple games by a couple points. Last year, it just seemed like Murphy's Law, anything that could go wrong with the Chargers did go wrong. And they had a bunch of really close losses at the very end of the game. I think they finished 5-11 and 11 when they could have been uh, somewhere like 8-8 eight, eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. So I think that Justin Herbert's actually in the best situation because you look at his wideouts. He has Keenan Allen. He has Mike Williams. He has Austin Eckler in the backfield, even though they just lost Melvin Gordon. So I think out of all five of these quarterbacks, Justin Herbert goes into the best win-now scenario. Yeah, you look at the Chargers. They lost a lot of games that came down to the last minute or the last possession. And frankly, quarterback play was a big part of that, I think. You saw Phillip Rivers kind of take a steep decline pretty much from what we see from Phillip Rivers. He was overthrowing balls, throwing interceptions a whole lot more than what we've seen over his career. So I think they made the right choice to move on now before he has that real Eli Manning-like drop-off in production that we've seen. So they made the right choice by choosing to move on now. I agree as well. Now, Mac, we just talked about the top three quarterbacks that were drafted and those pretty much went to script and how we expected not so much with these next two quarterbacks as number 26 overall the Green Bay Packers who still have a 36 year old Aaron Rodgers one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time they still have a 36 year old Aaron Rodgers but Packers decided to move up to pick number 26 to pick Jordan Love out of Utah State and then at number 53 you get into the second round the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of Oklahoma. Both of these picks were surprising, Mac, but in your opinion, which one was the most surprising between the two of them? The most surprising has got to be uh, Jordan Love to the Packers. Because, I mean, you look at the Packers, you look how far they went and how they really shouldn't have gone that far. Uh, I've said on numerous occasions, if Seattle had a healthy running back that wasn't named Marshawn Lynch, the Packers would not have made the NFC Championship game. They were lucky to get as far as they did to get trounced by the Niners in the NFC Championship game. So really for them to not go for offensive skill positions, but to instead go for Jordan Love. I mean, you look at this team. This team doesn't draft offensive skill positions. I believe this was the first offensive skill position they've drafted in the first round since Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) And that's your offensive skill position. You pick his replacement when he still looks like he has a lot of production left in him. So it was really baffling to me that they chose him. Uh, I I don't know where this leaves the team now because I'm sure Rodgers is not going to be happy they took the quarterback in the first round. So chemistry is going to have to be a big uh, concern there. This was a big shock because you have the Packers who were in the NFC Championship game last season, as you already noted, and they needed more wide receivers. The only wide receiver who Aaron Rodgers had who he could depend on was Devontae Adams, a guy out of Palo Alto. So instead of going and drafting a wide receiver and probably the best 
wide receiver draft in years. You have 36 wide receivers taken in this NFL draft, and the Green Bay Packers did not take one. I get it. The Packers always draft towards the future. They always have the future in mind. But at least address it with one draft pick. They drafted Jordan Love in the first round. They could have drafted a wide receiver in the second or third round. They chose not to. They ended up going with a running back and a tight end with their next two picks. So they're just not picking any wide receivers. Maybe they have plans with a wide receiver in free agency. Who knows? But all I know is that 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 was definitely the most shocking pick. The other one with Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles. Yeah, they already have Carson Wentz in there as the bona fide starter. But the thing we know about Carson Wentz is that he has an injury history. And also the thing about Jalen Hurts is that he is pretty versatile and they could throw him in the game at different positions. And with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz on the field, two guys who both have strong arms who could both run the football as well, that creates a lot of... uh, misdirection and just a lot of confusing play schemes for the opposing defense. And I think that Doug Peterson is really going to use Jalen Hurts as more than just a backup quarterback. So that, that pick makes more sense. But Jordan Love going to the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love wasn't happy with the pick. You could see it on his face. And it just his face pretty much just read like, wow, I can't believe that all the places I'm going to Green Bay where he knows he won't start for a while. But hey, if he takes it the right way and he just wants to become a student of the game and learn you're learning from one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time so it could all work out but it all depends on the maturity level between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers will they work together that's the big question mark going into the season but the biggest point is that the Green Bay Packers had so many picks and they chose not to draft a wide receiver why not we don't know but that's what they get to pay the big bucks to to figure out and just going back to Jalen Hurts, you know, that pick was surprising to me. I had Hurts as, uh, you know, the next best quarterback after Tua, Burrow, Herbert, and Jordan Love. So to see him go to Philadelphia, it was a head-scratcher at first. But like you said, you know, it sounds like they're looking to use him in more of a Taysom Hill-like role where he's not just a quarterback, but, you know, he can play. I heard some people saying he could, he could play, but he could take some snaps at running back. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> how they decide to use him, but it was good that they went out and picked up a quarterback and they don't have to rely on someone like Josh McCown should it come down to that in the playoff game. And we mentioned Commissioner Roger Goodell earlier in the show, and we have another W for Roger Goodell as ESPN's Seth Wickersham just reported that Roger Goodell's voluntarily requested that his salary be reduced to zero during the coronavirus pandemic. So Roger Goodell is not taking a penny during all of this. And I find that admirable because Roger Goodell has, uh, he's faced a lot of flack in his time as the commissioner since 2005, but with this virtual draft and now deciding not to take any compensation during this pandemic, um, Roger Goodell with back-to-back wins, Humack. Yeah, you know, it's easy for me to sit up here and say other people should follow suit and give up their salary. But, you know, it's always going to be difficult for people to part with that money. So good for Roger for doing that. Good on Roger Goodell. All right, Mac, now let's get into our next topic, which is dissecting our favorite teams and what they did in this draft, as well as the Las Vegas Raiders in their very first draft in a new state. First, I want to start off with the Seattle Seahawks, which is which is your team. You're shaking your head at me right now, and you and I were texting back and forth during this draft, and you didn't seem very happy with the choices that your Seahawks made. Why is that? And uh, just, just tell us a little bit about it. Listen... It's nothing personal against the players that they selected, but 
when you looked at the team and you looked at the needs that we had going into this draft, <laughs> it seemed like the Seattle was going for a policy of select guys nobody had projected where we're picking them. You look at our first round pick, Jordan Brooks, linebacker from tennis from Texas Tech. You know, a lot of people say he could be he could do a lot of good things, you know, good leadership qualities, good athleticism, good play, you know, and all that. Fine. But we had a lot more pressing needs on the team, I think, than linebacker. Uh, you know, we went we drafted a couple of tight ends. You know, we've had we had problems with tight end there last year. Uh, we drafted a running back, wide receiver, two edge players, and a guard. You know, it's it's not it's not a terrible haul when you think about it, but it it is surprising the directions they went considering the needs and the players that we haven't signed on some positions. Like, I, I'm a little surprised they didn't put more attention to edge rushers with you know the glut of them in that late first, early second round. I mean, we saw a lot of edge guys go there, and I think one of them could have fit. But, you know, uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll love to prove us wrong, so I will trust them, and we will see. Yeah, well, I thought that it was quite interesting as well. The The most interesting part that I thought about the Seahawks, at least in the first round, is the fact that they didn't trade out of the first round. They actually stuck in there, and, and they got Jordan Brooks. So I found that to, to be um, quite interesting, the fact that the Seahawks actually stayed in the first round, um, you think that they reached a little bit, but we shall see. That's the great thing about it is people like you and I, we come on here on our sports podcast, we dissect it, but we really won't know until two, three years down the line. And that's exactly why last week here on Double Coverage, we really dove into the 2017 NFL draft because we got to give it time to play out. And we got to let these guys at least take the field, right? Yeah, exactly. You don't know what you're going to get until the season starts. And We've uncovered a lot of gems in rounds other than the first round, so we'll see. So the San Francisco 49ers, the defending NFC champions, continued to do work in the NFL draft. John Lynch was wheeling and dealing on the first day and on the third day. So on the first day, the 49ers took Javon Kinlaw, a defensive tackle out of South Carolina, to basically slide right in there and to replace DeForest Buckner. And they drafted Brandon Ayuk, a wide receiver out of Arizona State, who has local ties to the Sacramento area as he played junior college at Sierra College up in Rockland. But I also want to mention the wheeling and dealing that the 49ers did on Sunday is Joe Staley, their all-pro tackle retired he decided to retire after 13 seasons and so what did John Lynch do he traded for Trent Williams an all pro tackle from the Washington Redskins Mac you said to me the rich get richer and I love it as a 49ers fan and then the other two deals that the 49ers made is they traded away Marquise Goodwin to the Philadelphia Eagles and they traded away Matt Breida to the Miami Dolphins so the 49ers were doing work as a 49ers fan I love it what did you think of it all Mac yeah, I made clear to you my dislike of John Lynch. I liked him much better when he was in the booth and not strengthening one of our rivals. So, <laughs> but um, the Javon Kinlaw pick surprised me a little bit. I think we all knew the Niners were going to look to acquire a wide receiver on day one of the draft, be it through a pick or a trade. I mean, when you had C.D. Lamb up there, I was sure, like, even though you guys traded back one pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I was sure you guys were going to get CeeDee Lamb and get another pick on top of that the trade, but you guys passed on him. I mean, Brandon is not a bad player. I think he's actually going to be a good player for you guys. You guys needed a wide receiver, and you traded Marquise Goodwin. 
away as well, which surprised me because you guys needed receivers on top of that, not subtracting, but that's, that's discussion for another day. Uh, it did surprise me that you guys traded away, you know, Buckner just to draft his replacement with that. I was sure you guys were going to go wide receiver safety or wide receiver secondary in the first round. But, yeah, I guess it comes down to money. Because it all comes down to money. You can't pay everybody. I understand that. And I'm glad that you mentioned C.D. Lamb because C.D. Lamb is a guy who I was really high on. I still am very high on C.D. Lamb. He ended up going number 17, getting drafted to the Dallas Cowboys. Yuck. But as a 49ers fan – Kyle Shanahan said Brandon Ayuk was his number one wide receiver on his board out of all of them. Regardless of the Alabama receivers, regardless of C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk was number one on Kyle Shanahan's board. C.D. Lamb was number two. So he got his number one wide receiver. That's very important. You mentioned Marquise Goodwin. He hardly played at all last year. He's getting up there in age. The 49ers were able to shed his contract and also move up 20 picks in this sixth round of the 2020 NFL draft. So I thought that that was um, good. I love these guys. The 49ers get them on small contracts, but then it gets to the point where they have to pay everyone and they can't pay everyone. So it makes sense. Um, Real quickly, I wanted to mention that I was also surprised that the 49ers didn't go with any type of wide receiver there at number 14, but they had to find a replacement for Buckner, a lot cheaper replacement for Buckner. So it, it all makes sense. Um, I was overall pretty happy with the 49ers draft, and I think as a Seattle Seahawks fan, you were pretty upset about it, which means that the 49ers did good if it makes the rival fans upset. Um, finally, Mac, we, we got to get to this real quickly, but we're also going to talk about the other quote-unquote local team, which is the Las Vegas Raiders. They made their first draft in a new state, and the, the Raiders, they took three wide receivers in this draft. With their first pick, the 12th overall pick, they took Henry Ruggs, a wide receiver out of Alabama, who was the first receiver off the board. Then with their second pick, pick they took Damon Arnett a cornerback out of the Ohio State University their next two picks at 80 and 81 they took Lynn Bowden Jr a wide receiver out of Kentucky and Brian Edwards a wide receiver out of South Carolina and then they had three other picks after that but those are the those are the top four so out of those top four picks Mac which was the best in your opinion I really really like the Henry Ruggs pick that's a Raiders pick if there ever was one speedy wide receiver guy, guy who come in and instantly make an impact, you know, maybe in the slot. You got a big game receiver now, and it's just another toy for Gruden to play with, another toy for the Raiders to have. I think he's going to work really well in that system and may even give Derek Carr a stay of execution. Yeah, now whoever the quarterback is, whether if it be Derek Carr or if it's Marcus Mariota, they have no excuses because they have wide receivers all over Keep in mind, they still have Tyrell Williams, who they brought in from San Diego last year, who was a solid receiver for them this year. Now they bring in a speedy wide receiver in Henry Ruggs, and Al Davis was was looking down or looking up at us, whatever, wherever you want to say Al Davis went. He's looking at us all, and he's very happy um, that the Raiders took another speedy wide receiver. And also, with the 19th pick, they took Damon Arnett, who is going to be a little bit of a project at corner Um, Coming out of the Ohio State University, the Raiders took another chance on another Ohio State corner because we know it didn't work out with Gary and Conley. So I'm also very interested to see how that all plays out. Yeah, I think uh, Raiders made some good moves in that draft. And they may be looking at getting into the playoffs this year, especially with the expanded 17 format. Exactly. We're not, we haven't talked too much about the fact that a seventh team out of each conference is going to make it in the playoffs now. So it should be interesting to see who gets that seventh spot in both leagues. 
going forward this upcoming season. But first, we just have to have a season first and just have them be able to be uh, playable. So we're all waiting for that. Now, Mac, we're running short on time because we, we talked a lot about um, the quarterbacks to start off the show. And I, I apologize for that as the host of the show. But now let's finally get to the local Sacramento talent that have either been drafted or signed to an NFL team. Real quickly, I will just go down the list, and then um, if you could tell me which player you think is going to make the biggest impact, that would probably be the best way to go with this. So Brandon Ayuk, who we already talked about earlier, a wide receiver who went to Sierra College, now with the 49ers. Josiah DeGuara, who is a tight end, came out of Cincinnati, and also Folsom High School. He's now Aaron Rodgers' newest weapon in Green Bay. You have Lamar Jackson, not the MVP, but a different Lamar Jackson, who came out of Franklin High School, went to Nebraska, and now he signed as an undrafted free agent with the New York Jets. You have Joshua Kelly, who was a running back who played two years at UC Davis, but then he went back home to L.A. and played at UCLA. Now he was taken by the Los Angeles Chargers. You have George Obina, the defensive lineman out of Sacramento State University, signed with the Cleveland Browns. And, Mac, you wrote a short brief for the State Hornet on that. You have Darren Paolo, an offensive lineman from Grand High, who uh, went to Utah and then got drafted by the New Orleans Saints. Justice Shelton Mosley, a wide receiver out of Capital Christian High School, who uh, went on to play at Harvard and Vanderbilt, and now he's a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And finally, you have Michael Walker, who went to Vacaville High. He played a little D3 ball at Azusa Pacific, then went on to Fresno State, and he is now an Atlanta Falcon. I just want to give a quick shout-out to our colleague at the Sacramento Bee, Joe Davidson, for comprising that list for me to be able to read off real quickly to all of our listeners. So shout-out to Joe D. Mack. Which player do you think is going to make the biggest impact? I think uh, Brandon Ayuk is going to have the biggest impact. I think he's in the best position to, you know, contribute immediately to a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And, I mean, you look at his production. I've seen him play at both Sierra and Arizona State when I was covering American River and Sacramento State. So I've seen him play before. I think he's going to be a nice little weapon for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to have there in San Francisco. Uh, but I will give a shout-out to George Obina because I've, I've watched him too this season. I've seen players, you know, come in as undrafted free agents and break into that roster, break into that uh, 52-man roster come opening day. I think he could be a contender for that in Cleveland. Exactly, and I, I agree that I think Brandon Ayuk will make – the biggest impact right away, at least, out of those list of guys, which makes sense because Ayuk was the only first-round pick out of uh, all of those guys that I just mentioned. Um, but I'm going to go away from Brandon for a second. I'm going to go with Josiah Deguara. I think that Josiah Deguara is going to end up becoming pretty good friends with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay because we've seen in years past, we have uh, the, the Packers, they had – uh, Finley, and then they have Jimmy Graham for a couple years. And my point is, is that Aaron Rodgers has always found a way to connect with his tight ends. And the fact that the Packers didn't even take a wide receiver in this draft, that just creates even more opportunities for Josiah Deguara, who was a two-star recruit coming out of Folsom High School. He only had offers to go play at Cincinnati, or um, I think the other the other one was Air Force. 
and he really he made a name for himself at Cincinnati, and now he he was a uh, third round pick to the Green Bay Packers. So I think Josiah DeGuar is going to make an impact in Green Bay. He'll either become really close with Aaron Rodgers, or he'll become really close with his uh, his backup Jordan Love maybe in some some practice schemes. So I'm interested uh, to see that. Also want to give a shout-out to George Obina, uh, another Sac State player going to the NFL. He's now the third um, active Sac State alumni to be in the NFL to go along with DeAndre Carter of the Houston Texans and also Todd Davis of the Denver Broncos. So shout-out to George Obina. Mac and I, we are rooting for you. He's a guy who we both got to cover here in our time at Sac State. And uh, we hope the best for George Obina in his NFL future. Real quickly, Mac, before we close out the 14th episode here of Double Coverage, and we want to thank everyone for listening. Real quick, quick hitter. What was your favorite moment of the virtual NFL draft this past weekend? My favorite moment was seeing Roger Goodell get super comfy in his luxury lounger chair in the middle of the, in the middle of the third round. That man was kicking it. His legs up. Like spread all wide. He was enjoying life in that chair. I think the thing that was so great about that is Roger Goodell, for the first time in his career, probably became more relatable to a national audience than he ever had been before. Um, so I think that we, we already mentioned it earlier. I think this weekend was a big win for Roger Goodell, especially considering that a lot of um, teams wanted to push back this draft, but he said, we're still going to hold it. And it was actually quite successful. Got the best ratings that it's ever gotten in years. And that is also because a lot of people have nothing to do and they're at home just watching TV. And this is the first sporting event to really be on TV. And I want to shout out the WNBA draft for setting the model uh, about a week before the NFL draft had taken place. Cause a lot of people weren't showing recognition to it. So I want to my but I think that Roger Goodell also uh, had a great weekend. And my favorite moment was Bill Belichick making a joke. And the Patriots, they traded out of the first round. We thought that they might take a quarterback, maybe go Jordan Love. But the Patriots did not even draft a quarterback until the very end of the draft when they took a guy out of who knows where. And they also took a kicker with a racist tattoo on his leg. Who uh, <laughs> He's now getting that covered up. But anyways... The Patriots, they decided not to draft anyone in the first round. They traded out. And then so the first time we see the at-home camp for Bill Belichick, we see a Husky sitting in his chair in his kitchen with the laptops in front of him, and he, and he makes the picks. And maybe that Husky was telling Bill Belichick, let's tank this next season so we can get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson next year to be our quarterback for the next 20 years. Do you think oh, that the Husky might have had that insight? Don't you give don't you give them any inspiration? Don't you give them any idea of doing something like that? The dynasty's done, let it be dead. All right, that's going to do it for the 14th episode of the Double Coverage podcast. For Mac Irvin the 3rd, I am Sean Holko. We want to thank you all for tuning in every single Wednesday here to Double Coverage. We will be back next week with another new episode. And make sure if you want to check us out on a weekly basis, you want to check out some of our old podcasts, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or statehornet.com. Have a good week, everybody.